Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thanks for joining me today on America Can We Talk. Today we're going to talk about three things. Does America care about the New York Times and other growing anti-Semitism in America? Why it is dangerous to America if China controls the 5G system and Democrats are trying to reclaim the word freedom as Venezuela explodes? And we'll talk about why all these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk. Yesterday, we talked briefly about the story out of California, Poway, California, about a shooting at a synagogue there, the uh, Shabbat of Poway. It was on the last day of Passover this past Saturday. One woman killed, Lori Gilbert Kay. And we actually played the clip yesterday of the rabbi of that um, synagogue named Yisrael Goldstein, who talked about the phone call he got from President Trump essentially reassuring him that the Trump administration and America cares about the Jewish faith, cares about the Jewish people, cares about the growing anti-Semitism in America. One fact I didn't know yesterday was that the one woman who was killed, Lori Gilbert Kay, was actually killed in that shooting because she jumped in front of the shooter between the shooter and her rabbi. She was trying to protect her rabbi simply breathtaking bravery for a 60 year old woman uh, so she there, there was obviously a, a service for her um, after her passing and many um, common a lot of commentary about her bravery but i want to just talk about what the anti-semitism problem is in america a little more deeply again yesterday we played i showed you the new york times had chosen to run an astonishingly anti-Semitic cartoon, for which they have kind of apologized. But there was some commentary I want to share with you. And the reason I'm wanting to talk about today is because anti-Semitism is on the rise in Europe, is on the rise in America, and it is legitimized by one of the two political parties in this country. It is this kind of thinking that ultimately led the world to tolerate, to led the world to tolerate and ultimately to suffer from the Holocaust. So let me just tell you a few things about New York Times. Great coverage about the New York Times in terms of the fact that they have been historically anti-Semitic. That cartoon that least pulled it down, apologized, tried to blame it on one guy who didn't run it by anyone, which is dubious. But there was commentary talking about the fact, even going back as far as World War II, the New York Times was not willing to run accurate coverage about the Holocaust, even after it was discovered. Very minimal coverage of the Holocaust. Continuing to this present day, very negative coverage about Israel, always taking the side of Israel's enemies, especially on their editorial pages. This is considered to be one of the premier, at least for left-wing America, premier sources of news, the New York Times, and they have been that level of anti-Semitic against Israel, against the Jewish people for decades. So you would say, well, there would, seems like there would be a lot of American people, a lot of Jewish people in America who would rise up, who would protest the New York Times. Well, indeed, there was a protest against the New York Times in New York City over the weekend after running this, or I guess it was yesterday, after running this horribly anti-Semitic cartoon, and pretty much they gave a protest and no one came. 
Literally, it was a scheduled to be a three-hour protest outside the New York Times, waving signs, denouncing anti-Semitism, and literally almost no one came. The three-hour or so hour range they gave of time for the protest uh, didn't even last the whole three hours. They cut it off in the middle because people didn't come. Some of the commentary by Dennis Prager was along the lines, and, and these what I'm going to speak to you about today, all of you can find yourself at my website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under show, go down, list of links, and you can find the links, the stories I'm talking about, especially Dennis Prager's column. He essentially said, Dennis Prager, beside recounting all of the anti-Semitism in the New York Times, he also talked about the idea that for many people in America who are Jewish, their Jewish uh, background is more a matter of ethnicity ethnicity than rather than it being a matter of their ethics or beliefs. And so there are more people in America of, Jew of the Jewish heritage, little more sympathetic to the left-wing side, even when the left-wing side is attacking Jewish people and Israel and America. N not a very impressive picture and actually a dangerous picture for this country. There was great commentary by Alan Dershowitz who was saying essentially, we're kind of so used to this intolerance of, uh, of Judaism, and so we are so tolerant of anti-Semitism. He just asked his readers to think about this. If you remember the cartoon the, the, <clears throat> that New York Times ran, it had a dog whose face was Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel. Dog face of Netanyahu, the Jewish star around his neck as the collar, and dragging President Trump behind him with President Trump wearing in this cartoon a yarmulke and glasses, dark glasses. It appeared, yeah, there it is right there. Thank you very much, the wonderful Matt Stoker, my wonderful producer. Uh, it appears, I think, they're trying to make Trump blind, as in he's blindly following uh, the lead of Israel and Netanyahu. But Dershowitz's point in a great column today was essentially to say, what if the New York Times ran a similar cartoon, but the dog instead was the face of a Muslim American? A, a leader of the LGBTQ community, a lesbian or a, a gay man's uh, well-known face, an African-American's face, or a Hispanic or Mexican-American's face. The rest of the country would, uh, would have reacted more in a more volatile fashion if the person being depicted as the face of the dog was one of the groups that we are just triggered to instantly be offended if they are ever in, in the slightest insulted. It was a very, very, very good column that, uh, that um, Alan Dershowitz ran. And I got to tell you, at, at the end of it all, it just, to me, the reason I wanted to raise it again is to say, I do this show to speak up for the extraordinary, unique greatness of America. This country is unparalleled in world history as being the country founded on the commitment of the, to, of the freedom of the individual, the liberty of the individual, the right of the individual to practice his or her religion and to live in freedom. And anti-Semitism should be despised in this country just as much as we despise white supremacy, black nationalism, or any other ism that targets a group of people because of their background. It should be that ugly, but in many people's view, it is not. And the Democrat party in this country contributes to that problem in great, in great, uh, in, in large amounts, in a great deal, because as just one example, but a very big and prominent example, their own Democrat member of Congress in Minnesota, Ilhan Omar, simply, the, she has said outrageous, 
on unfounded, horrible things over and over and over. Her anti-Semitism is widely known, widely reported, and the Democrat Party cannot condemn her. Even after one of her most egregious statements, where many people were calling on her to step down out of Congress, to step down, to publicly apologize, the only rebuke the Democrats could even muster up was a very watered down, well, golly gee, you know, we really don't like hate. That's about what it said. Obviously, a little longer than that, but that was the point of it. They could not hone in on and identify anti-Semitism as an evil. The Democrat Party leaders in who have the majority in the U.S. Congress and the House could not condemn her anti-Semitism. It's a very bad signal for America and for people who love this country and want this country to be strong and free. All of us need to find anti-Semitism simply intolerable. Coming up next in the show, I have a guest joining me online. Um, he's going, I believe we'll have him on the screen in just a moment, but I'm going to tell you about this guy. Uh, his name is Steve Bucci, and he is with the Heritage Foundation in Washington. But I'm just going to tell you a tiny bit about his history and background, because this is a guy, what we're going to talk about is the 5G network issue and what America, the challenges and concerns America has about China and its control of the 5G network. But just so you know uh, about this gentleman, his background, he served for three decades as an Army Special Forces officer and top Pentagon official. He is also was a lead consultant to IBM on cybersecurity policy, published many articles related to cybersecurity. He also was a commander of the 3rd Battalion, 5th Special Forces. He led deployments to Eastern Africa, South Asia, and the Persian Gulf, including Operation Desert Thunder in 1998. So this is a man who knows cybersecurity and has served our country, and I believe we have him all set to join us. Hello, sir. Hello, thanks for having me on the show. So glad you could join me. It's just great to have you on. And I honestly, I read your background this morning. I just want to start by thanking you for your service. You're obviously, you have uh, committed much of your life to serving this precious country. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. It's been my honor. So I wanted to focus on the 5G issue. And, you know, I will tell you that a lot of people, I'm a lawyer by background, and I don't really have any kind of a scientific background. But I got in trying to read about this because it's, Talk, being talked about so much. So I want to start at a very basic level, and that is this, the 5G issue that you wrote about, and again, for our listeners, the article we're being speaking about is on our website, americachemitalk.org, under the, on the homepage, under show, under list of links, his article is called, The Threat Isn't Coming, It's Here, Security Dangers Imminent If China Controls 5G. So in a summary way, why is it scary for America if China controls 5G? Well, if you think about it, the Chinese are one of the most repressive governments in the world. They've uh, changed a bit by adding a lot of capitalism to their system, but the government still has incredibly intrusive uh, surveillance on their population. Now they want to control the 5G network around the world, which will have embedded in all of the Chinese equipment capabilities through malware, through built-in things in the hardware. If they run the 5G, they're going to be listening to your conversations, reading your texts and your emails every day. 
Okay, so that was, I was going to get to that next. This isn't just a national security, which is a huge issue. It's every American. But again, just to be for the non-scientific among us, this 5G means, I know that this is the large, they're, they're now the largest telecom equipment provider in the world. They surpassed Sweden's Ericsson. But what exactly is 5G? It's the telecom, the, it's a measurement of the capacity of the telecom equipment itself. Is that right? Yeah, right now your cell phones and your other digital devices are working predominantly on a 4G network. That's fourth generation is what that's referring to. That's the top line equipment that's out there now. Uh, the, the various telecoms around the United States and the world are trying to get it to the next level, which is referred to as 5G. Uh, there are several companies trying to do that across the United States. But nobody in particular, Huawei, uh, is is this the, now the largest supplier of the the background equipment, all of the industrial size stuff that the the telephone networks and the internet run off of, and they have sold an incredible amount of equipment across the world at below market prices because they were subsidized by the government. And they, they would like to capture in the United States as well as Europe, Africa, Asia, the whole world, that next level of 5G, uh, which for the next probably five to 10 years will be the top level digital systems out there because they know that's what governments, businessmen, decision makers are going to be using uh, for their work. And they want to control it because they can siphon off that information for their surveillance capabilities. Yeah, this is such an alarming picture and uh, that you're describing. And but the trend toward 5G is, is going to continue because people want the speed that 5G offers. So sure. it's you can't just go, stick with 4G and ignore it. So we that's one of my next questions was, so we are behind a little bit technologically. America's a little bit behind. I think you I think your article said that Ericsson and then this uh, behemoth organization, China's uh, Huawei Technologies, those two are the only ones right now producing 5G, um, 5G equipment. Is that right? No, there are a American companies doing it. AT&T does. There's some others. Uh, there's a lot of competition in the United States to do this. Uh, they're not ready for the complete rollout yet across okay. the country, but they're working towards it. And right now, we have no interest in having any one company own everything. We darn sure don't have any interest in having an ease company own everything because the Chinese have... Uh, memorialized in their public law that every Chinese company has to work with the Chinese intelligence services. We don't do that <laughs> in the United States. You know, we we don't that, you know, our, the NSA doesn't own everything that AT&T and, and Sprint and and uh, all the other telecom companies does. In fact, quite often they're at loggerheads in China. Everything that Huawei does feeds back into the Chinese intelligence services. So we really don't want them to do it, but they're selling their equipment at below market prices still. So it's going to take a lot of effort to convince our allies not to buy their equipment. We're even having trouble keeping you know, our own folks who want to buy it. The government had to put a, a kibosh on, 
on literally some government agencies buying Huawei equipment because they're being offered such incredible prices, all subsidized by the Chinese government. You know, I read about that. And I, first of all, there are so many directions to go. And this is I'm so glad to have you on and, and explaining all this, what the concern is. So one story you had in your article, I wanted to relate to our listeners and have you comment on. But there was actually an effort. Huawei is trying to get their 5G equipment. They have it in a lot of places around the world. We talked last week about the Belt and Road Initiative, and this we talked about in the show about the Belt and Road and spreading it in all these other countries. But in America, we actually had the people who run the, um, was it the Redskins Stadium? The, it was a stadium near That's Washington. Right where senators and congressmen and other people in government positions go all the time, and they had come close to contracting with Huawei. Is that accurate? That, that's correct. They oh made it to the, the owners of the stadium where the Redskins play that they would provide free, just so they could put their stickers who were doing it, Wi-Fi within the stadium. So all the customers, the fans could have at the games for free sounds like a great deal except as you point out the, the fan base for the washington redskins include presidents and senators and congressmen and members of of our military members of our intelligence service members of every agency of the government Fortunately, the intel people were watching this and they they did a big time out and said no way in the world and they killed the deal it had been signed but then they, they came in and, and they use federal powers that, that will can stop foreign companies from coming into the United States to stop that particular deal. It was a brilliant operation on the part of the Chinese, but not really in the interest of the United States of America in any way, shape or form. You know, it's an astonishing thing. I, that's an amazing story and to think how close China got to be able to have access through their 5G network to everyone who shows up at Redskins games. And it, you know, as we were just talking about, it's all these people in government, elected officials, people in the various departments, uh, federal agencies, and the average Joe. But that mission, that determination by China to go after the Ameri America system. I, I mean, we were asleep at the wheel to even get close to signing on that. And so I'm wondering, is our government in a position, the US government position, to simply ban all uh, Huawei telecom equipment in America? Uh, they can, it's, it, there are legal actions that have to be taken to do that. Uh, you know, you, you hate to do that. China's a big trading partner with the United States. But we've got to get them to play fairly uh, on, you know, a level playing field with everybody else. But they are, are really, you know, pulling out all the stops to get this done, not just in the United States, but everywhere in the world. Uh, Brits, who I actually gave a, a bone to in, in that article that they were yeah. holding out against it, they just signed like the day after the article came out, they signed a deal with Huawei for their phone system, Canada has lots of Huawei equipment. They don't run the whole phone system for them, but a good deal of their backbone equipment comes from Huawei. Their phone system is very much entangled with ours. So that, that's what we're working on. So we've got to do two things. We've got to keep our hands up and keep Huawei out of America, but we've also got to work with our allies to try and pry them loose from the entanglements they already have with Huawei because basically they can give away the store to the Chinese 
and uh, we just can't allow that to happen. We can't, but you know what, this is far more than just a business competition between American companies and Chinese companies and want us wanting to have the latest generation of things. You alluded to it, I want to go back to it again, the, this law in China, called, it was China's 2017 law, the National Intelligence Law, requires organizations and citizens to support and provide assistance and to cooperate in national intelligence work. So Huawei, as, one, as the major example, is obligated by Chinese law to cooperate with the Chinese government. So the governments, they they are helping Huawei sell their equipment at under market prices. They are requiring Huawei to comply with this law. So essentially, China is putting in place all over the world a electronic spying system that people are willingly buying. I mean, I, I think that's actually breathtaking, and I don't see why more countries in the world aren't just, as they become aware of this, aren't saying, wait a minute, we don't want to do this. I mean, th this is the, and I know they're our trading partner, but they're not necessarily our friends, at least in some regards. I, I just can't, I'm, I'm shocked that there are more, more countries standing up against it and no more countries not realizing how much power China is acquiring by gathering all the data they can gather from the 5G systems. Yeah, it, it's quite remarkable. And keep in mind, you know, Huawei benefits from this as well. The government helps Huawei if they glean information and they can give Huawei information that AT&T or Sprint or, or one of the other American companies are doing X, they feed that to Huawei, and that benefits them, whether it's research and development, whether it's plans. So there's a mutual back scratching going on here. Huawei more money, but the, the government information to really uh, you know, do their intelligence work. We've got to stop this. We've got to be aware of it, at least, as we make our decisions. And then we've got to really fight for our allies and with our allies to try and get them out of this same dilemma. Absolutely. You spoke of one thing in your article, I want to be sure and mention this concept of interoperability, because the previous system to 5G was 4G, and China, uh, Huawei, has their equipment created in a way that does not allow, if you have a 4G system, other systems can't work with it, and yet the people who purchase 4G are forced into 5G. Or Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, it's like when you buy a phone and you have to have a power cord that fits your phone, right? You know, Apple makes power cords that only fit Apple devices. Uh, you know, it's a good business model. Well, China has taken that to the industrial level and all of their 4G equipment that they've sold around the world want to convert directly to 5G. You have to have Huawei's 5G equipment to do it unless you can get somebody like perhaps the United States to help them develop a way to do around. So even if they have Huawei's 4G, they don't have to buy Huawei's 5. They can go anywhere else. And this is not just to protect or, or promote American business, though I'd love to see them buy American equipment. Uh, you know, at least buy equipment from somebody else who's not trying to eat the lunch of the United States of America. Uh, you know, if they want to buy British equipment or French equipment, that's fine. I'd rather they buy American. I think it's probably a better deal. But we've got to help them with that kind of workaround, whether it's adapters or, or something like that, uh, where they can, you know, use a different equipment and not be forced into 
using the Huawei at the 5G level. So what are the answers? If you could run the America's answer to this situation, government-wise and industry-wise, what are the answers to to get back at this Chinese effort, not just to sell 5G, but to use it to spy on us? I mean, there's things the federal government can do and things industry can do. So what are those? Well, first thing would be for folks not to buy the Huawei equipment. That's, you know, you're really opening up yourself for a lot of risk. Uh, you know, I, I remind you that a couple of years ago, the head of British MI5 announced to all British. Why don't we do this? I want to tell you that this guy is one great thinker and writer. Uh, if we get him back, that's great. Uh, but Steve Bucci, he's with the Heritage Foundation. And at Heritage, he's a visiting fellow of the Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign and National Security Policy. I start at the start of our uh, interview today. I was telling you about his background. He is a cybersecurity guru. He is a he's a patriot. He's a gentleman who served in the Army Special Forces and is a top Pentagon official. And he is writing to say, America, wake up. It is really, really important thing. He said the threat isn't coming. It's here already. I think from the things he wrote, I can tell you that you have to have the federal government be very mindful of not having any Huawei equipment, anything that might be used by our military, anyone in government, or as we were talking about, even the Redskins studio uh, station. We also need to have private industry inspired to catch up with 5G. There's been some channeling by some of our telecom companies into other uh, other markets, other directions for their products and services. But we need to recognize this is a national security risk. If you're China and you can get America's allies and maybe even some Americans to buy 5 to buy 5G equipment to then spy on America and be on top of not just my private conversations and your private conversations, but with the private conversations of people in government. You might as well just surrender to the Chinese now. We have This is a huge topic. It is one in which I was actually on a conference call last week with some uh, people trying to work on the solutions from various uh, large uh, telecom industries. And it's just a major major problem. And I'm grateful for someone like Steve Bucci to be part of the solution, to be writing about it, to be talking about it, to be helping people understand that it is solvable. It's going to take some commitment to our by our telecom industry in America. It's going to take some backbone. And it's not just to keep the Chinese Huawei 5G equipment out of America. It is to convince our allies to undo what they have done, to undo their commitment to use 5G equipment from Huawei and even their 4G equipment. Because China, much as we are, they are a trading partner, we want to be friendly with them. China's not our friend, as we talked about many times on this show. And again, I'm terribly sorry we lost that connection. Uh, this is why I love having people in studio. Uh, but I love having him call in from Washington, D.C. today. He's with Heritage Foundation. I urge you to look up Heritage Foundation Steve Bucci, B-U-C-C-I. You will find links to many, many great things he has written. He's a great thinker, a great patriot. And thank you so very much for having him, uh, Steve Bucci, for joining us today. And thanks for, for listening to that. And on our last topic for today, we are going to, uh, I can't see, okay, yeah, we're going to move on today. Uh, and I want to talk about uh, an effort. I think this is the most unbelievable thing. And, you know, I tell you in this show every day, I do this show to try to inspire people to speak up for and to defend the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty on the planet in all of world history, and that is America. And there are many, many threats against America. We, and some of them are as 
specific and distinct as China wanting to get their 5G equipment into America so they can spy on everything we do. That's obviously a threat. But many of the threats facing America are not equipment. They're not, and they're not enemies. They're not other countries. They are ideas. They are ideas that are discussed in America, ideas that, if they are given roots and take shape in America, can truly change and hurt our country, can take us away from the promise of America's founding, the promise of our founding, the commitment to the freedom of the individual and the right of every individual to live in this country with liberty and the right to pursue their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Socialism is one of the primary attacks on America. It is happening in this country, obviously very blatantly. It was happening with, you have the American left, has Bernie Sanders running for president again as a Democrat socialist. You have clearly the most popular member of the whole entire U.S. House is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So you have very, very serious uh, people in Washington talking about socialism. But what I want to tell you about is an effort that uh, was reported on and actually reported on with glee by the American left that there is a group of people on the left, Democrat uh, mega millionaire, mega billionaire types, pooling their money, trying to make the effort moving forward to redefine, to reclaim for the left words like freedom and opportunity. The left wants to push their socialism through redefining what America thinks the words freedom and opportunity mean. This is Orwellian, to use a term from George Orwell's 1984 book. This is thought manipulation. This is Pravda-like. The word Pravda Pravda was the Russian newspaper when Russia was communist, the Soviet Union, and they had one newspaper. It was called Pravda. It's the only way to get news. Pravda meant truth. The word Pravda means truth. The people in the Soviet Union, the, the communist Soviet Union, had no way to understand anything except what they were told by government through Pravda. This is a Pravda level manipulation the left is engaged in. I want to talk to you about this and about what difference it makes in America if we can understand and we can be alert to before it happens what the left is trying to do. Let me start with this. Many people on the left, and I get this from from all sorts of people in, in the political world, the Democrat Party knows that socialism, the word socialism, is still to many people too jarring, too upsetting, too clearly un-American. Now, millennial voters, younger voters are kind of onto this. Yeah, we got socialism, kind of cool. You know, they think they're socialists because they don't know what it means. But for many Americans, for the broad swath of Americans to get enough Americans to get behind the Democrat Party in the presidential elections in 2020, whoever their candidate is, the Democrats have to try to get the message out to America that they are really not socialists. And don't be listening to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ignore that Bernie Sanders over there. Ignore these socialists, uh, you, the, you know, the, the whole uh, millennial effort. Ignore those people. We are the Democrats. We are not socialists. Nancy Pelosi said it in an interview just uh, three weeks ago, just said, oh, no, I'm not a socialist. I'm a progressive. I want to make a few points that really, really matter. Number one, socialism, the pure definition of the government owns the means of production, the government owns the factories, the government owns the farms, the government owns everything. That kind of socialism, 
is not yet what is being pushed by today's socialists in America. But the people who call themselves Democrat socialists, Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, other people who are leaders in the in left-wing America, they're accomplishing nearly the same result by the creation of an oppressive, large federal government, perpetually growing in power with the same ultimate impact as if the government owned the means of production. They don't have to own the farms and own the factories to instill in America the same outcome that socialism produces, which is complete control over what used to be a free market economy. And that is their agenda. That's number one. Number two, every Democrat running for U.S. president and many Democrats now serving in the U.S. Senate and in the U.S. House have endorsed, though they find a fancy word for it, they endorse single-payer health care, which is socialized medicine. You don't get to say, I'm not a socialist, but I support socialized medicine. You don't get to say that. It's a lie. Nancy Pelosi is great with single-payer health care. She is great with government-controlled health care. You don't get to say, I denounce socialism, but I like socialized medicine. It's one or the other. You can't have both. You can't claim, you can't claim that you're not a socialist if you support those things. Number three. Because the American left has gone so far left, so radically left, and did during the previous eight years under President Obama, many people in this country woke up. The Tea Party got going because of President Obama's radical leftism. The Tea Party, the awakening of the American people that we want to live in liberty. We want the liberty that was promised us at the founding of this country. That is what awakened the Tea Party and that was one of the prime elements of the Tea Party is recalling, demanding, wanting to bring back the free market ideas that are the core, among the core ideas of liberty in America. So we had more and more people in this country talking about the distinction, the difference between socialism, a government controlled economy, and the kind of economy you have under freedom and free markets. This is one of the reasons President Trump won his election. One of the reasons he won was because he used openly denounced socialism. He pointed out how radically leftist the, the country was turning under President Obama. He restored not only jobs back to America, bringing businesses back to America, bringing jobs back to America, which was a which was a clobber over the head of the socialists and the, the American left, but he re-inspired love in America for the idea of liberty and free markets and opportunity. So President Trump is bringing these ideas back into popular, common political conversation. He's bringing back love of liberty, love of the idea of opportunity, the right to live in freedom in this country. Well, the American left recognizes that their party, the Democrat Party, is very socialist. Their agenda is socialist. They openly, besides the, the items I just mentioned, they openly talk about the use of the tax system to redistribute wealth. That is core, pure socialism. But because these big money people on the left realize that the reality of the Democrat Party being socialist is going to drive voters away, they are launching a thought manipulation effort to redefine the terms liberty and freedom and opportunity. 
And so these, this is funded by, it's called the Future Majority, funded by Berkshire Hathaway billionaire Charles Munger, his son Philip, and Dan Tierney, the founder of electronic market trading firm called Getco. Other millionaires and billionaires are part of this, and it is a thought manipulation plan to replace the real meaning of liberty and opportunity and freedom with left-wing definitions so that they're going to try to be able to say in 2020, all these ideas, these left-wing ideas, using the tax system to redistribute wealth, owning the means of production by massive government regulation over those industries, taking socialized medicine to the next step in this country. They're going to try to sell those as premised on freedom and opportunity. They will be lying to America. But I'm telling you this story because I want you to be awake to it. I will alert you to it when I see it in the news. When I watch the stories, I'll try to spew out because this is a very, this is a subterfuge. This is a manipulation. This is a selling socialism under the guise of liberty and freedom. It is obnoxious and it is a lie. And it's amazing that this is being launched, all this news about the left-wing effort to redefine liberty and opportunity being launched at a time that Venezuela is finally now, the Venezuelans have taken to the streets. It's actually open war down there in Venezuela. Venezuela, one of the wealthiest countries in South America and in the world, and in the world until 1997, the voters got confused, duped by people like these guys, like Charles Munger and others, duped into thinking that socialism is a good thing. So in 1997, socialists come to power in Venezuela. They go from one of the wealthiest countries to starving in the streets. Venezuelans, the average Venezuelan lost 20 or 25 pounds last year, starving in the streets because socialism creates misery. So you finally had the people rising up, Maduro in charge of Venezuela, still cracking down. So he's become a dictator, more or less, socialist dictator. He is starving his own people. He is blocking food, trying to come in from the world, trying to help the people to prevent them from starving to death. He is cracking down on people protesting him. And then you had a gentleman who stepped up and said, I'm going to lead the protest. And he's now, today, as of today, announced that he is beginning with the people in the military taking his side or engaging now in armed armed removal of Maduro. It is now fighting in the streets, guns blazing in the streets, trying to remove this socialist evil, the socialist misery that is controlling Venezuela. Astonishing that we live in a time in America where you have the left trying to soft sell socialism by pretending it has something to do with liberty, which it doesn't, and Venezuela who tried socialism and they're starving to death. And now I want to turn to a clip I sent to my extremely wonderful producer, Matt. I have a clip from, this is the most amazing thing. Two young men who came to America from Venezuela came here to live here, to live in freedom, and they have a message for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Take it away to these two men. Let me tell you something, Alexandria. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I want to tell you something. El socialismo no funciona. El socialismo no funciona. My name is Jose. I'm 21 years old. I am Samuel Machado. I'm 22 years old. I fled real socialism. Me and my family fled Real socialism. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Alexio Ocasio-Cortez. You're a liar. You're a liar. You don't know what you're talking about. You're clueless. You have never gone through socialism, so you preach it like you do. America will never be a socialist 
country. America will never be a socialist country. A lot of people think socialism it's all about equality and free stuff. What socialism is really about, it's starvation. People dying from lack of medicine. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, I want to tell you something. If you really believe in socialism, why are you here in the US? Why don't you move to Venezuela, Cuba, Russia, Afghanistan, China? Why don't you just go there? You know, you talk about socialism as it is something so perfect, but you know it's not. Oh no, actually, you really truly believe that, that it works like that, but it doesn't. Just go and look the actual facts and not just the books. To try to listen, uh, that link is up to this. those two gentlemen on our website. Listen to their whole spiel. They're supporting Turning Point USA, but these are real Venezuelans in America saying, please, America, do not vote yourself. Don't vote your liberty away. Don't vote away the freedom you have. Don't make America like Venezuela. And to wrap up today, I want to tell you about the three stories we talked about today and why they matter to you. To start with, we talked about the New York Times cartoon and the anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism has been around for thousands of years. It's one of the world history's oldest forms of bigotry and prejudice. The New York Times history reeks of anti-Semitism. Putting Jews as dogs in the New York Times cartoon, that is how they're depicted in the Quran, in Islam. Why this matters to you, New York Times issued an apology, but not a commitment to revise their editorial processes. The Democrat Party's inability to unequivocally denounce Ilhan Omar's blatant anti-Semitism is deplorable. Anti-Semitism has no place in America, it's being stoked and stirred on the Democrat left. America needs to reject it. And then we talked about the, um, next slide if you would please, talked about China's equipment. And we, we talked with our um, really wonderful guest. I'm sorry I got cut short a little bit, but China's equipment, 5G networks. China is into strident communism. They are not America's friends. Yes, they've introduced some from free market ideas in there, but they are vying to become the world's single, single superpower Part of their, one of their methods is the inst installation of 5G. The deployment in worldwide communication networks is a big deal, has espionage capability, capabilities for communication interference, blocking and cutoff, and censorship. They are taking charge of our ability to communicate with each other. If we use a 5G system, you don't want your government volunteering to become more and do more. And socialism, we just, this last, the last clip, I hope it wakes you up to think about this. Socialism is the antithesis of the American Republic as founded. Socialism is the ideology of envy, covetousness, the opposite of freedom and opportunity. Beware, watch for this repackaging of socialism with happy talk terminology. At the end of the day, socialism still kills. We in America are based on freedom. Freedom requires a freedom to choose schools, healthcare, and for you as an individual, freedom to work, to, to decide how hard you're going to work, to decide how much to keep the rewards of your labor. Socialism denies all these freedoms. We cannot buy into it in America. In closing today, I want to say thank you so very much for listening to America Can We Talk. I urge you to tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. 
If you're on Facebook, like this page, share these posts, comment, email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. And you can also, if you're watching on YouTube, I love the comments, I love communications from you. Subscribe to our page. And remember, my mission, I hope it's your mission too, is to speak up and to, uh, speak up for and to defend the most extraordinary country on the planet Earth, America. And, Ameri and I talk to you every day because America matters. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear